Here on Counting on Us, I get the opportunity to share the stories of those who have found the hope to push forward and overcome the challenges of their lives, like gaining independence, building a family, and healing from trauma. But how universal are their stories, and what are the threads that connect them with other ACH clients? And what does ACH's team of caregivers and professionals really want you to take away from their stories? I get help unpacking these questions from the members of the community ACH serves and directly from those whose mission it is to help them. On today's episode, my conversation with Arthur Pete Lori and Nick Little about a recent story shared on the podcast. I'm Daniel Trevino, and you're listening to Counting on Us, a show presented by ACH Child and Family Services. On our last episode, we shared Kia's story of pursuing her passion for the culinary arts while at ACH's Life Project. But getting started on that career path wasn't easy for her. After years of being in foster care, the people she could depend on for emotional support and guidance were slim. And when she first arrived at the Life Project, she had just finished dropping out of school from the University of North Texas. Suffice to say, she felt scared and alone as soon as she arrived at ACH. And it wasn't long before her grandmother, her best friend, died. My first guest is 20-year-old Arthur Pete Laurie, who is currently in the Life Project. Originally from Gary, Indiana, Arthur and his 10 siblings were separated at a young age after a tragic accident caused Child Protective Services to remove the children from their parents. Five of the siblings, including Arthur, were taken in by their aunt and moved to Texas. Welcome, Arthur, to the show, when did you first arrive at ACH? I arrived at ACH, well, technically, when I was uh, 15. I came here when I was 15, going on 16. Then I came back to stay in extended care at 18. Okay. So you, when you were here, when you were a teenager, younger, what program were you in? I was actually uh, the homeless, uh, oh, no, I don't know. The Youth Emergency Shelter? Youth Emergency Shelter. There we oh. go. I was uh, up there for like literally a week or two okay. and went back home after that. I was like, dang. So who who brought you Who brought you there? My auntie, because I didn't want to live with her. She was a lot, a lot back then. She, You know what I'm saying? We didn't have the best relationship. You know what I'm saying? I feel like it was because of my older siblings that she took that anger out on me and I just couldn't take it anymore. Because I know I, you know what I'm saying? I know I'm a good person. I know I want to do good things, but you can't just keep taking that anger out on me. So I just wanted to go. She put me in here because I, I was going to go to my mom. You know, my mom, that's who I got taken away from. But she ended up putting me over here for a week to just give me a little taste of what it would be like to be separated from everybody. I was like, whoa. And... I just felt how powerless I was. So many things I didn't know. And then even when I was here, it broke my heart. Mind you, I don't smoke, don't drink, don't go out there trying to, uh, you know, have, uh, you know, sex at a young age. I was like literally a good kid. You know what I'm saying? Most I do is play computer games and stuff. Like I, I literally stay to myself. I play basketball. I don't do anything wrong. When I got here, you got to see all these kids from all these different backgrounds and like even some who cut themselves whenever they're depressed. You know, I've never done that. I'm like, whoa. And you see these other kids who are just so impulsive, so like really act on those actions. And I'm like, I, I understand their pain. Like they have nobody. And 
I, I realized, dang, without my auntie, who else do I really have to depend on? And she's supposed to be there for me. She was, you know, raised just like me. She didn't have nobody. Why would you want to complete the cycle, repeat the cycle? You're supposed to help me to become the person that you wish you could have been. And you're supposed to be the person for me that you wish you had in your life. That's all I wanted from her. When you left, because um, at that point you're like 15, so the, you have like two, three years before you turn 18. Um, were you, did you stay with your aunt those rest of those years or were you, did you go to foster care? Uh, I went to foster care, one of them, but um, I had to, whenever I went back with my auntie, I, I, I was so scared to go into foster care after seeing those kids. But I realized I, I would rather, how do I say it, walk the plank than stay on that ship. To stay with your aunt. Yes, yeah, so I would rather jump in that water and see what it's like, because I knew that me and my little brother could not stay on board. It was just getting worse and worse, and it was hard. But I had to break those things off. I told my teacher what was happening. She got me into foster care. So you and your younger brother were placed in foster care for a few years. How did you end up at the Life Project? So I first came to the Life Project when um, I had aged out of care. It was uh, when I was 17, I realized I had nowhere else to go. I was going to be living on my own, but I was a senior uh, in high school still, and I still had a full six more months to go. So uh, I was already in connections with uh, Mr. Nick and a few other, you know, volunteers and, you know, mentors up here, staff. And they um, basically had interviewed me, talked to me, and since I knew them for so long and they seen me around a lot in most of the programs that they were doing for foster kids and like a lot of events, they was like, yeah, we should definitely consider him. And then I finally came over here. Let's now talk about Kia's story. So you had the chance to just listen to that, um, the last episode. What were your first impressions after hearing her story? I felt that same exact way, the way when I first came in here. I didn't even open up to nobody. I, I went straight to my room. I'm, I'm quiet. I didn't understand. I'm just. I thought I thought this is going to be like foster care all over again. I'm, they're going to move me. They're going to separate me. I'm, 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 I don't know what's going to happen. But it, so you also had a period when you first arrived where you were pretty down. Yes, right. It was broken. And so, how long did that period last? It lasted for the first. Two, three months, because when you first get here, it teaches you how to live on your own. And at, especially uh, at, at the age she was as well, and even my I was, whenever you're young living on your own and you don't wake up to people, it, it that's that could be difficult. You don't wake up to people? Like, you know, uh, you don't wake up with a, with a, with a you know, a family, a house, or, you know, typical foster care, foster family things. You know, there's nothing, you know what I'm saying? And I'm, I'm thankful for this because here at ACH, you can walk outside your room, then see people. But whenever you wake up in that room alone, it's that's teaching you, that's building you up. It's either you need a roommate to help you get through those things, but at some point in your life, you're going to be by yourself. What was your biggest fear at this time? My biggest fear was being separated from my little brother. Like I thought I was never going to get. Um, how, how have the life mentors or the eight, the staff here helped you during the those feelings of separation or guided guided you through that? They uh, they was able to talk to me. They're able to 
We go on events. They try to keep a smile on, on my face, even when I know that they're hurting themselves in, the, in their own personal life. It's just just being able to have somebody that can help you, guide you, and talk to you and can relate to you on a personal standpoint from their personal life to your personal life is different. It's not like therapy. It's not like none of that. It's more of a mentoring. It's more of a guidance. And that's what I love. So I can relate to that part whenever, you know, on her in her story coming here, I was just, I'm just glad. I am so glad that I was able to meet all of them because even still to this day, and it's been two years, they have always checked over me. They always call me. They always talk to me. Even when I see them, we have personal conversations. It's bigger than just business. It's bigger than just, oh, their job. No, they actually love doing it. They love doing it. And that's what I love to see. Mm-hmm. And I guess what changed for you that got you to start making a change or start making progress? Whenever um, my little brother, um, I'll say this, whenever I got to finally see my little brother again, so that that changed a lot. I seen what he's been through, how they was moving him from facility to facility, and I wasn't there to do or protect them. So that made me change my whole way of life. I need to be who I need to be. I need to not do this for myself just because I've given up, just because I lose things to live for. Doesn't mean that I should just stop being who I am because then I'll, I'll, he'll he'll lose the one person that he looks up to, the one person he calls on for help. I may not have a me in my life, but he has a me in his life. So I'm, I'm, I'm able to be there for him. That's, that's my biggest thing. That's what changed my whole life. He did. Without him, I will have no drive, no determination. I'll be really lost. Um, what would you want other people to know about whether it's the Life Project or foster care? Like, this is up to you. Like, what do you really want to communicate to the audience right now? I would communicate this. <laughs> SIO, any SIOs, even the Life Project, it's not a foster care setting. It's not, you're not going to get taken away. You're not going to be switched from house to house. You're not going to go all over the nation. They offer you guidance, counseling, strength, support, all of that. They they are there. They are literally who you need. Take advantage of those benefits. Go to college for free. Do that. Stay in SIL. Don't just go out there and try to do it on your own. Yes, you can do it on your own. I understand that. But you don't need to do it on your own right now. Especially, I know y'all 18-year-olds. Oh God, I was 18. You just ready to get out there and just forget about everything. And no, no, don't. Relax. Understand. Take it step by step. Go to a dorm. Go to college. Then get your apartment. Do exactly that. That's great. And for, just as a reminder, SIL stands for Supervised Independent Living. And that's what the Life Project is. And it sounds like you're talking to those 18 year olds who are at that decision of whether they completely leave foster care or do they stay in extended foster care and join a supervised independent living program like the life project and yes and i would say like this whenever they see the word supervised they panic i panic it's supportive supportive independent living we are here to support you we're not going to force you to do anything. We're not going to watch over your back like a hawk. We are here to support you. That's the way I basically was broken to, uh, you know, Nick Little. 
That's the way I, I basically see what he was saying to me, supportive. I was like, I get it. And even living in SIL, living in these dorms, it is supportive. You get the freedom you deserve. You get the freedom that you are, you know, given. But they make sure you use it correctly. They make sure if you mess up, oh, my God, I was trying to drive to Washington, D.C. over the weekend. I'm stranded. Can y'all help me? See, these are the things you got to look out for. You know what I'm saying? There's been a few times I, 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 with, I with all that free time, I wanted to go drive somewhere. Um, I got stranded. But I told them they, they helped me clean up my mistakes. And they say, this is why you have to be responsible. So, yeah, this is a supportive, independent setting. Mm-hmm. That's great. Uh, and we're actually going to speak to Nick Little after the break. <laughs> um, so thank you, author, for coming to speak with me. And I can't wait to see all the great things that you're going to accomplish. Thank you. We'll be right back. Hi, it's Dr. Wayne Carson from ACH Child and Family Services. I hope you're enjoying the podcast. Here at ACH, we know that the community is counting on us to get it right. So for over 100 years, ACH has remained true to our mission of protecting children and preserving families. Follow us on social media or visit our website, achservices.org, to learn more about what we do, how to get involved, or if you'd like to support us. Now, back to the show. All right, so um, I'm here with Nick Little, the Transitions Program Manager with The Life Project. So welcome to the show. Thank you, thanks for having me. Yeah, Um, so can you um, just introduce yourself and how you first got here at ACH and how long you've been um, in the Life Project? Yeah, um, I've been with ACH. It'll be 10 years in November. Um, started, uh, came here to Texas and pretty much as, as soon as I came to Texas, I um, saw ACH, found out about the Life Project um, and really, really got in excited about the idea of working with 18 year olds uh, coming out of care. I ran a shelter in Arkansas for seven years and I saw a lot of 17 year olds um, come out of care and just not be ready for adult life. What are the consequences for these, you know, young adults who just signed themselves out of foster care at 17? A lot of times, you know, young adults just want to be done with the system. So that's the focus, the entire focus for them is just, I want to be on my own. I don't want to have someone, have someone telling me what to do, um, controlling my every move. Um, so they're not thinking about those negative consequences that they're not ready for, or, you know, a lot of times the system has not prepared them for what does it mean to be an adult? What does that involve? So having, having a, a, a program where you can go and actually learn this stuff um, can be vital and very, very important. We have a lot of young adults that don't want to do it. Um, they kind of still, again, have that same mindset. I'm ready to leave the system. Um, but it takes, you know, kind of talking to them, explaining that SIL is very different than 17 and under foster care. Like you, you have a lot more control. You have a lot more agency. Yeah, that's, um, that's great that you're mentioning this. Cause right before the break, I was talking with Arthur and I asked him like, what, um, what he would want other 18 year olds to know about the life project. And we were talking about how the life project is a supervised independent living program. Right. And he was talking about when he first heard supervised, (laughs) 
that it's that word that brings fear. And he was, he actually mentioned you and how he, when he first met you, you were explaining to him that it's really like supportive. Yeah. And can you talk about those conversations? <laughs> yeah, no, I've, I've actually talked with the head of SIL about that. It's like that, that word supervised is a very triggering word for a lot of young adults because, you know, it, it kind of goes across all programs, you know, supervision, supervision, you have to watch the kids all the time um, where that's not the case in SIL. It is, it is definitely more supportive um, in the sense that, you know, there might be days where it's just the young adults in the building and staff are doing things with other young adults outside of campus. So they have a lot more freedom in that regard. Um, and that ultimately is kind of an aha moment for a lot of young adults. It's like, oh, okay, this isn't you breathing down my neck. You know, I, I think about uh, Arthur because he, uh, the first time we met, he was, uh, he'd come with his power worker and the power supervisor and they were talking about uh, they wanted to talk about the program. They wanted Arthur to meet me. So we met out on the front front porch of the Reese Jones building that we're at. And um, and he was just a ball of energy, you know, just and if you ever meet Arthur, you'll know that he is 100 percent nonstop all the time. So um, just talking about everything he wanted to do, all these goals he had, all the stuff he wanted to accomplish, wanted to get his own apartment. He just he had so much so many ideas of what he wanted to do. What I feel like his story kind of shares with Kia is as soon as they arrive here, it's not like, all right, let's start meeting our goals. Like, let's start finding the job or, or like they're they're coming in with all this, um, this mental and emotional distress based on their circumstances. So can you talk about how common that is and, you know, what that period in time is for a lot of the young adults that come to the Life Project? Yeah, I think that's a, a common thing that gets overlooked just in the general sense when people are talking about SIL is, you know, yeah, in reality, we would love that everybody comes in and they just hit the ground running and they're they're meeting every goal. They're, they just acquiesce so well to the program. And it's just like, that's rarely the case. A lot of times it is like you kind of, like you said, that, that emotional baggage or the traumas that they've experienced. Um, creep up. It happens quite frequently. And it's something that we really try to, to, to touch on with the, with them that how do you process through this? How do you, how do you talk about this? Why, you know, helping them understand that it is common. And of course, you know, things happen while they're in life and Kia's case, her grandmother died. And, um, what I, well, I would like to hear your um, reaction to that moment because, you know, what she did is she went to Stephanie Henry, you know, the life mentor at that time. So can you just kind of talk your thoughts on that moment in her story? Yeah, it's, it's really, it's hard to watch our young adults go through these things, even though we know that this is a part of life. Um, so, you know, in the grand scheme of things, when things like this happen, it's good that they have a place like this they can go to and someone they can go to. I'm just, when, when I heard about it, when Stephanie had, had mentioned it to me, it was, you know, it's like, you know, the, there was that hurt obviously, but it, I was so happy that she was willing to come to staff and didn't keep that within. Cause that can really, that can really do a number on someone, especially if you already have mental health issues and now you're trying to take that burden on as well. Just, it doesn't, doesn't bode well for your your long-term success. Yeah, I think it's kind of a 
I know, not so secret ingredient that we all need in order to achieve our goals, those relationships. And um, what I guess with Kia's story, like she had not only the, um, the support here at the Life Project, but once she finally entered that um, internship at the Fort Works program for the culinary program, she had those teachers as well, those kind of mentors in her field. What do you think we can learn from authors and Kia's story? I think, you know, with their stories in particular, but, but you know, in the grander scheme of things, really what you said earlier, the importance of relationship, I think it's very easy to think that just providing opportunities is enough for our young adults or for kids in foster care. Um, but a lot of times they need those supportive figures there to make sense of things, to let them know that some of the things they might be going through are normal. Um, it's not just about providing an option. You know, we, we talk about that in regards to look at something like school. You know, foster kids get uh, their school paid for, but it's not always looked at as like this grand thing to them without having supportive people around. Even with some of the internships that we do in the program, you know, a key component of that that I always talk talk to um, these partners with is mentorship. I don't want to do an internship with someone just to give a job because a lot of times our young adults need more than just the opportunity. Uh, we always have kind of a more than fair chance of this of this thing. Um, and that's a big proponent of it. That you can't a lot of we've seen a lot of our young adults just really struggle if they don't have someone that they can talk to that they can just, you know, they can just be present and in the moment with them. Yeah. And to to witness them while they're achieving these goals. Yeah. And I think that is so powerful when I when I got to be there at Kia's graduation and there was like Stephanie there as well as some other of her support system here at ACH. And I don't know, I just thought it really made me realize how significant just witnessing them achieve something because a lot of them don't have, um, you know, their family isn't part of the picture, right? Mm -hmm. So I think, again, it's that those relationships, those supports that really gives them that boost or motivation um, to continue, right? Yeah. Um, it's a journey. Yes, totally. It's a journey. Um, well, that's awesome, Nick. Thank you so much for all the work you do here. And um, thanks for speaking to me today. No, thank you. That's all for today. But make sure you like and subscribe so you don't miss the next two episodes we release every two weeks. And if you enjoyed the show, please share and write a review. It makes a huge difference. Also, if you feel inspired and would like to support ACH in its mission to protect children and preserve families, then you can donate now at achservices.org or you can find the link in the show notes. Counting on Us is a podcast presented by ACH Child and Family Services, written, edited, and produced by Daniel Trevino. Special thanks to Arthur Pete Laurie and Nick Little. Mixing by Panoramic Sound. Thanks for listening.